So, in my podcast, I normally talk about, you know, I try to keep it impersonal. Talk about, you know, the trauma molestation rings, aka the fucking cross-dressers that read books to your toddlers with their balls hanging out. Or transgender ideology, or religion, or politics. I keep it impersonal. I mean, I've done a couple of recordings, like the one with about Jimmy, and the one about Alex. But, uh... This is one that is going to be a personal one. And... It's very near and dear because it was very personal. This girl named Christine. First time we met, I was 14, she was 15. She just turned 15. She was six and a half months older than me, almost to the day. And we, uh, we met at the swimming pool in Independence. I can remember exactly when it happened. She uh, just dove off the diving board, the high dive. She'd do a backflip off the high dive. And she would, uh, that's what she'd do. She'd do a, a backflip off the high dive and, you know, get up and do it again. The girl would go off the diving board all the time. Give you a description of her. She was, she had black hair that went down to the middle of her back and bright green eyes. She was about a buck twenty-five and stayed that way. You know, she never I mean she may have gained five or six pounds here and there, but you never noticed. Always lean. No, the girl could sing like an angel. She could go to America's Got Talent or you know, the voice or whatever, and she would have just she would have made Kelly Clarkson look like a little girl singing in a karaoke. She was that good. She already had scholarships to other col- to colleges, mind you, for singing and for dancing and for intelligence. She's very intelligent. Very athletic, too. And of all people, she fell for me. I was this short, pudgy fucking kid. And see... She had her quips, you know, she she was, a. Uh, there were things that made her angry about me, I almost guarantee it, because I am a guy, but, you know, she loved me, and I loved her. We dated each other for nearly four years, or nearly three years, sorry. No, four, because I was 14. The first time we met was at the pool. She just went off the diving board, and they blew the whistles for us to get out for the 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Basically, so everybody will actually get out and attempt to go to the bathroom. You know, you're in a swimming pool for 10 hours a day, and you never go to the bathroom once. Come on. You're peeing in the pool. I was a very shy kid. Very, very shy. A beautiful girl would come up to me and talk to me. My hands would start shaking. I'd start stuttering. I couldn't enunciate what was in my head. In fact, my head would be full of flies. I wouldn't be able to say shit. Because there was nothing there. I was just flabbergasted by the beauty. And Christine was no different. You know, she she was a country girl. You know, she uh, 
she kept herself fit by working on a farm, you know, working on her daddy's farm. No, she looks so beautiful in a fucking ball, in a ball cap. And, you know, when we met, she just did the backflip, they blew the whistle, she comes up out of the water, and I don't know what came over me, but I literally stuck my hand out to get her out of the water. First time I ever touched a girl without shaking. She said, thank you. She looked up from the water and all I saw was those beautiful, deep green eyes. Dark black hair, eyebrows were black, you know. This cute little, this cute little buck teeth that she had. And I just, and not like, you know, overly buck teeth, just like her uh, two front teeth kind of stuck out a little lower, a little longer than the rest. Just a little bit. You know, I actually looked to see it. She had a straight white smile, just she had that one those two little teeth that stuck out like that. It was adorable. And our friendship became a relationship. You know, we uh We found each other on MySpace. Yes, I'm that old. We found each other on MySpace and we messaged each other every night. I mean, just constantly, just talking to each other back and forth. Come to find out that she actually lived five miles away from where I lived at the time. You know, she was very shy. I was very shy. Well, she wasn't shy, shy because the girl could. The girl was part of the choir. She was, you know, part of the dance team. Refused to be a cheerleader because, well, her parents thought all cheerleaders were hoes, which in our school was correct. Actually, personally, almost every school is correct. So, she didn't want to be part of that. She didn't want to be branded that way. I was this fat, lazy stoner kid. Listened to nothing but Metallica, ACDC, Guns N' Roses. She was raised the exact opposite. She, raised, she was raised listening to nothing but country music. And, you know, never smoked weed in her life. Never drank in her life. She's fucking perfect, man. She made me want to be a better person. And our first date, I went out and I mowed lawns for like three weeks. There's this place called, I don't know if it's still open, but it's called Jack's. Or it was called Jack's. They're in Independence. It's this uh, fancy restaurant where, you know, the waiters wear black slacks and a white, white button-up shirt. And they bring you your food. It's all glassed. You know, anybody could see you eating there. And if you were eating there, you were making money. And that was our first date. I mowed lawns for about three weeks. And just to make the money to take her out. We went out and, you know, I wanted to look slick. But I literally spent all my money on the reservations. That I just came out and blue jeans a nice t-shirt, and a ball cap. She comes up. Well, actually, her parents dropped her off. And she was in a pair of blue jeans, a pair of cowboy boots, a flannel shirt, 
that hugged her body so perfectly, and a pink ball cap that said Girl Pride on it. And we ate. She wasn't a prissy one. She bought it. She got a steak. They offered us wine, and we took one look at them and started laughing. I was like, "Dude, we're I'm 15 years old. I just turned 15." And he's like, "Oh." He goes back and just gets us more water and soda. I can't remember what we talked about. I remember it was a full moon. I remember the sty the stars were brighter that night. And we walked around town. I ended up walking her back to her house. From inside of Independence all the way to the outskirts. It's about a ten mile walk. And we you know, I uh <laughs> I walked her there. And she gave me a kiss right before we we left. Like, right before I uh, left the door, you know, I kissed her on the hand. I was trying to be the romantic type, and she giggled. She come here, you big lug, and she kissed me around the lips. Her dad saw it, and her mom saw it. My face, I mean, I melted. My face lit up. You know, I just... I lost all my faculties when she kissed me. And she said, thank you for the date. I'll see you tomorrow. And I was hooked ever since. For three years, man. For three to four long years, we were together. We were inseparable. I mean, there were times when we broke up because some dumb shit, you know, like teenagers do. But we always came back to each other. And every time we got back to together, we were stronger and stronger. I remember we got into a fight over. It was it was some stupid shit. I mean, we were we were kind of on the outs, you know. I was going through some family shit. Her family was going through some shit. I think her grandpa just died, and she had ended up going away for a little bit. Yeah, her grandpa died in Georgia, and he ended up being an oil tycoon. And neither of us knew. Her dad knew. Because, I mean, fuck, it was his dad. And he left the company to his to her dad. So they had to go to Georgia for a while. So me and her broke up. And we tried communicating, but it just, the long distance killed us. You know, we broke it off for a while. We still message each other every once in a great while, but nothing nothing really fixed. You know, she kept singing, she kept doing what she was doing, and I just went downhill. I lost my rock. You never know who you lose till they're gone. About a year later, I'm 16, 17 years old. Her whole family moves back to Indy. They still own the farm. They moved back. It took her dad almost three years to sell off everything. He did. He sold everything off and just took the money. He did not want to run the company. 
he was a country boy through and through. He wanted to be out on the farm. That was his way of heaven, and that's what he did. He sold the company, sold it off to shares, to people that own shares, and all that other shit. Paid off, he paid off all of his debts that he had, and came back and rebuilt the farm. And she came knocking on my door. Granted, the last time I saw her, she was 15 years old. Now she's 17 turning 18. Girl grew up a lot. You know, she, uh, without trying to ruin the uh, idea of her, she, uh, she became a woman. We'll go with that. A very beautiful woman. And when I saw her, I instantly cried. Because I never thought I was going to see her again. We continued talking. That's when Facebook first started. Or right around when Facebook first really started being big. Found her on Facebook. Still said she was living in a... What was it? A, I think it was Fort Benning, Georgia. Over there by the military base. Somewhere around that area. And we, uh, you know, we, we got attached again. You know, she, I had a car, I finally had a car, you know, I basically had my own place. And I drove out to the farm. I still knew where it was. You know, sounds kind of creepy, but I would walk out to the farm just to remember her. I was that sprung. You know, she was the first person I've ever been with that didn't judge me because I was a fat kid. They didn't judge me because I stuttered every time I talked to a girl. Or I shook. Didn't judge me because I was a stoner. That I listened to 80s rock music and that was all I listened to. That every year for Halloween I dress up like Jeff fucking Hardy from WWE. Or I paint my face like insane clown posse. In fact, I think that's the reason why she loved me so much. At least I hope that's why she loved me. Because I was a dumb teenager, you know? I was just... I was stupid, man. And the mistakes I made... While she was gone were never forgivable. If she was still alive, I would be writing a book just to her of all the mistakes that I have done and am trying to fix. How I would go to parties, get drunk, and wake up next to some chick. Not even giving a fuck. I'd just get up, put my clothes on, and leave. Or how I would just fight people for no reason. Some dude look at me and I thought he was giving me a crooked eye, I'd punch him right in the mouth. Grab him by their throat and slam him against the locker room doors. It, it didn't it didn't matter. I was a very violent and angry kid. Very, very violent. In fact the only thing I thought I was good at until I met her and Alex, like I said in my previous recording. Until I met her 
see, Alex showed me that I'm better at, I'm not just good at fighting. She showed me what love was. Because growing up in a household where all you hear is your mom talking shit on your father the whole time, you learn to hate anything that, that contributes you to your dad. It took me a lot of years to get over that shit. It still hurts sometimes. Now I wear it as a badge of honor. I would rather look and act like my father than look and act like my mother. And not because my mom is a bad person, not any means. It's because my dad is a man. My mom is a woman. I don't want to look like a woman. I don't want to act like a woman. I want to be a fucking man. So when I was younger, it hurt when she would say, you're just like your fucking father. It's her favorite little diss she'd say. You act just like your dad. You're, you're just like your father. You look like your father. And well, now I wear it as a badge, yeah. I look like my father and act like my father. I'm proud to be my father's son. It took me many years to think that. So I didn't have love in my heart. Had rage, hate, and violence. That's all I had. That's all I saw. Where people saw a baseball bat would be something you'd hit a baseball with. I saw a baseball bat as something I could crack someone in the back of the head with. You saw a go you saw a four wheeler with something you can go have fun with. I saw a four wheeler as something I could run somebody over with. One of my many enemies I had. And I had quite a few. Being a white fat black or a white fat a white fat kid in a black town, you tend to have a lot of enemies. Especially when you're a country boy. Instead of a fucking city. But Christine Christine showed me what love was. Opened my heart up knowing knowing who I was, knowing the violence that was in me. She showed me how to control it. Showed me legitimately what love feels like. And I was going to give her the world, man. No matter what, I was going to give her it all. We were dating for about six months. This is after she came back. She's already just turned 18, and trust me, she loved rubbing it in my face. Just turned 18. You know, I'm, I'm barely legal now. I'm going to have all these, old, all these men hitting on me. And I look at her, and I'm like, babe, people hit on you already. They do not understand why you love me. And she was always a smartass. What makes you think I love you? And then she'd look at me and you know, bat her eyes and give me a big old kiss. She's like, I'm just playing with it. I was like, I know you are, you little shit. She showed me it was okay to have a little banter between relationship, between a man and a woman. Not only did she show me what love was, she showed me that women are just people. Like, I stopped shaking talking to people. I mean, of course, Alex, you know, giving me that liquid courage helped too, but after the liquid courage... After I stopped drinking, she's the one who really helped me.
before she came back from Georgia. I was a bit of a player. Okay, that's a lie. I was a big player. I always had at least three or four girls on the side. Hell, my friend Casey, who is no longer a friend anymore, I don't know why, we just stopped talking. He moved to Oklahoma and married this, married some chick, and, you know, they're happy, so whatever. He, uh, would always brag about how he's friends with me and how I have a different girl for every day of the week. I mean, he wasn't lying. I did technically have a different girl that I could call in at least for every day of the week. And he thought it was cool, you know. He thought it was, you know, just amazing that a big, a bigger white kid could do this. Oh, well. Thank Christine for that. Because she showed me that you could just talk to women like you talk to guys. That we're all human. There, nobody's better than everybody. Nobody's better than anyone at all. But we're all the same. She taught me that. And trust me, I used it. My heart broke when she left. When she came back, it mended that hole. And I instantly went to her. I dropped all my fuck buddies, toys if you will. I stopped talking to any other girl because I wanted this to work. She knew my past. She knew my history. She knew what I did. And she didn't judge me for it. I mean, yeah, I could tell it her because she was still a virgin. By choice, it wasn't because she was ugly by any means. The girl was fucking gorgeous. You know, I wish I could find pictures of her, but... I've looked. I've been looking ever since... Ever since the incident happened. Anyway, she, uh, we were together for about six months, and when she, uh, got invited to her, her old best friend, I don't remember her fucking name, she lived in Cherryville, which is about 45 minutes to an hour away from Indy, uh, she got invited to Cherryville for a birthday party. Her best friend, Sweet 18, um... And I was already hanging out with my friends. She didn't care if I hung out with my friends, smoked a little weed. She didn't care. Said, I just don't want you drinking because you're a happy, horny drunk. That's where I got, the, that's where I got the, the, the phraseology from, that I'm a happy, horny drunk. I got it from her. And, <laughs> I mean, it's not a lie. I am a happy, horny drunk. I was always loyal to her. So I never drank. Not unless she was around. I mean, even though she was still a virgin, she wanted to hold herself till marriage because her parents raised her right. Not the religious uh, religious part. They wanted her, they raised her to value what she had and who she was. Which is what most teenagers have no fucking concept of. Most teenagers these days lose their virginity at fucking 14 years old. 13, 14 years old, they done pop their cherry and they're fucking around like fucking, like, like prostitutes. First guy that says I love you too, they jump on that bandwagon. 
But since she was raised by mommy and daddy, she had a father who told her he loved her every day. And she knew what a man was. Compared every every man that she's ever met, she compared to her dad. And I was the only one who came close, which confused the hell out of me. I mean, yes, I had a work ethic. I had my own place by then. I had a really good job. I had a nice truck. I was actually in the shop that that night. So we ended up riding together. Her, her uh, cousin was... She always called him her brother because they literally were raised together. It was her cousin. I don't remember his real name, but we always called him Mr. Kenny. This is, that was right around the time that uh, Mr. Kennedy came out wrestling. And he'd always announce himself like that. Just, you, you have to watch it to know what I'm talking about. That's what he'd do. It's fucking annoying, but he was funny as shit. He had himself a lifted 4x4 Ford with a... A sunroof that he installed himself. He was, he was a very intelligent kid. The kid was a mechanic genius. He made me feel like an idiot. The guy could build anything. He was a smart kid. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm behind them. After we go pick her up, she was she called me. So we both had cell phones at the time. She called me and said, Hey, I don't feel comfortable at this party. There's a lot of drunk guys here and you know, my friend just disappeared with some guys. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that her best friend kind of became the bicycle. Like, she done slept with half the football team in Cherryville, the whole football team in Independence, the basketball team, and all the tennis team. She was a hoe. I'm just going to go with it. And the ironic thing is, the girl I fell in love with, her name was Christine, and the town slut was Christina. So, we always made a joke, Christy and Christy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I mean, I'm not going to give Christina any prop. I mean, I'm going to give Christina props. She was gorgeous, too. She was half Latina. She was very, very pretty. But uh, we, um, we went to the party. Christine's standing there on the, down by the, uh, the mailbox waiting. And there was no room in the car with us because, like I said, my truck was in the shop. I had a eighty-one, had an eighty-one Dodge. It was in the shop. I was getting a paint job, and also getting the struts and brakes fixed. It's an old truck. What do you expect? It took forever to find that fucker. Anyway, we uh, she jumps in the car with her cousin. You know, Mr. Kenny. And he was, we were on dirt road, so he's over there swerving around, you know, just having a good time. Has a sunroof down every once in a while, she'd pop her head out, look back and wave at us. And no, I just, every time I saw her, my face would light up. Anyway, we're halfway home, we get to the blacktop. And Kenny decides to uh, try to swerve on blacktop. Winds up rolling the truck. I literally watched the love of my life get crushed by a truck. Her seatbelt malfunctioned. 
when the truck rolled. The first time it rolled, it rolled four times. The first time it rolled, it uh, it broke the um, the sunroof. Is he lower? He closed the sunroof. It broke it, snapped the motherfucker completely, shattered it. The second time it rolled, and we were going sixty, so it was rolling pretty big. Second time it rolled, it crushed the whole the whole top down. Third time it rolled, I watched Christine coming out of the sunroof and get crushed. Chuck landed right on her head, smashed her head. The whole top, basically the whole top part of her body was smashed. On the fourth roll, she gets thrown out and the rest of her body hits a tree. You know, it was devastating Kenny survived he's paralyzed from the waist down the thing that hurts the most is I was going to ask her to marry me that night I saved up as much money as I could to get a nice ring for her and I already asked her mom and dad and her dad asked me, what took you so long? <laughs> Her mom was like, you better take care of my baby. I was like, you know I will. And she... Obviously she died. Somehow, they got the idea that it was my fault. That it was my fault that the truck rolled. Not Kenny's. Kenny was in a coma. Kenny was in a coma for almost a year. Like, they almost pulled the plug on him. Like I said, he's paralyzed from the waist down and just gave up on life. He does nothing but drink, smoke pot, shoot up heroin. I don't even talk to the guy anymore. He blames himself, but the whole family blamed me. I wasn't even invited to the funeral. I don't know where she's buried. I don't know if she was cremated. The whole family blacklisted me. All of her cousins, her aunts, her friends, well, her family friends, rather, they completely just shunned me, blaming me for her death. She wasn't only my first love. She was the best thing to ever happen to me. I'll never be able to talk to her again. I can't even go visit her grave because I don't even know where the fuck she's buried. I know four different places she could be buried. She could be buried somewhere in Missouri. There's at least two plots in Oklahoma, which is where her father was born. She could be buried in Missouri, or she could be buried in Georgia where her family's from, or buried in Kansas. I have no idea. Her family would not let me know. Won't even talk to me. Because of that. So for some odd reason, they say it was my fault. 
two years. I did two years of doing whatever I could to see her again. I drank myself blacked out every night. Smoked a fuck ton of weed, man. Always getting crossfaded. I would jump off of houses and try to kill myself. I'd try to hang myself. Try to shoot myself in the fucking gun misfired got in car accidents and tried to hurt myself to where I could see her again for two years I was the most reckless I'd ever been I lost my heart I lost my soul my heart and soul was her There are people I run into every once in a while who have traits of her. I also like myself stupid. I gained a lot of weight. Because I just, I hate my feelings. But, like I said, there was... There's people out there who have some characteristics. A certain way they smile. A certain way they they hold themselves. A comment they say would remind me of something she would say. And it throws me back into those memories. I plastered a fake smile on my face. Still do to this day. It still hurts. I plaster a fake smile on my face every day. And I push through. People wonder why I'm depressed. I don't know, because I'm white, because I'm fat, because I'm I'm a dude in America. How else would I supposed to how else am I supposed to feel? We're men. We don't get to have anything. The one person I found who loved me for me is dead. And it's not my fault. I know it's not my fault. It never was my fault. But the fact that I can't even go see her fucking grave. The fact that I can't even talk to her family to see how they're doing it kills me man so for two to three years I did whatever I could to see her again so from the ages from the age of about 18 to 21 22 ish I did nothing but drink smoke fuck and just fight for no goddamn reason. I would bury my feelings behind rage fucking some random chick. 
behind just being a hoe. I went back to being, being basically what I was good at. Emotionalist fucking. Fighting. Being rageful. And the only thing that, that could hold back the rage was alcohol. Because I was a happy, horny drunk when I'm an alcohol, when I'm drinking. I don't get emotional. I get happy, horny. That's me. Always has been, always will be. And I did. Anytime I felt, I'd start drinking again, which was every day. And it got to the point to where I started at 18 and I woke up when I was 21. And I was like, the fuck? Like, I still don't remember a lot of what happened. I have vague memories. I have a memory of getting thrown out of a bar in Missouri. Because apparently one of the patrons there is a very, very friendly person there. Dude came up to me and started talking shit and I just grabbed a bar stool and cracked it over his head. Then I grabbed the bottle, bottle of Jack, down the whole bottle before the cops got there. Pulled out $300, laid it on the fucking bar and said this should cover the alcohol and the bar still, my bad. And I walked out the door. I always paid my dues. Still went to jail that night. And it's funny, when I told this to one of my friends, one of my God-fearing friends, if you will, they said, well, maybe the reason why that gun misfired, maybe the reason why that rope didn't kill you, or the reason why you didn't die in those car accidents or die getting hit by cars, or when you got shot or when you got stabbed, is because she was looking over you. Um, buddy, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that shit. I mean, at the time, I was willing to believe anything. I was willing to believe that she was there somewhere and all I had to do was die to see her. And I mean, I did die quite a few times, you know. I've When I got hit by the van, I died for four minutes and I didn't see shit. Just pure darkness and peace and quiet. I was completely out of pain for four minutes. Until the fucker shot me back to life. I woke up halfway through my 21st year and I decided to get over myself that nothing I do will bring her back nothing I do will make me feel better so you know what, move on and it's what I've been doing ever since you know, yes I've had three ex-fiancés I knew none of them were going to work I knew they weren't I was so blinded by getting my dick wet by some pretty girl that I just, I fell for it every time. I mean, I'm married now. And yes, there are times where I just can't stand her, but she's my wife. And she treats me right. She may not do certain things that she used to do, but 
she treats me right, you know, she, uh, she's a good woman, she's loyal, which to me, loyalty is the thing in a relationship, loyalty and respect, sex doesn't matter to me, looks don't matter to me, it is loyalty and respect. And she is the most loyal person I've ever been with since Christine. And trust me, we knew Christine was a virgin because, well, that was one of the big things they, one of the big things that her parents were keen on. They would take her to the doctor every month to make sure she still had her cherry. Fucking weird, but I understood, you know, keep your vanity, keep your virtues. I understood that. Just still fucking weird. I don't tell this story to everybody. I mean, I am now because I'm comfortable with saying it. But it took me a long time to get over her. To get over the fact that I won't ever see her again. I will never see her again. I will never hear her voice, her weird giggle, hear her corny ass jokes, see the passion she had when she was passionate about something. I'll never see that. But I'm also happy for her. She's at peace now. She has no pain. No anger. No frustrations. She's just peaceful. The long dark night that never rises. That's just one of many things that have happened in my life. Things that most people will not be able to walk away from, I have. Said I've been hit by just about any vehicle you could think of. And I've limped away. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I've been jumped. I've walked in on my exes cheating on me. And I don't mean just hanging out with a dude. I mean I walked in on my ex fucking riding a dude senseless. I walked in on one of my exes literally getting fucked by three different black guys. And I took pleasure in beating every one of them to a fucking pulp. Then kicking her slutty ass out the door. If I judged every female, like what women do with men, if I judged every female for what one or a few women have done to me, or pretty much every woman has done to me except for a select few. I would be the sexist. I would be so hateful and so resentful towards something that has a vagina. And I'm not. I'm very cautious around them. 
but I won't back down. If I'm in an argument or having a discussion with somebody and they start getting start getting personal, start giving personal attacks and shit, I'm going to react because I don't back down. One thing my mom always told me, yes, I was raised by my mama. One thing my mom always told me is stand your fucking ground. Be a man. Don't be a bitch. Not in those exact words. Well, the be a man part, yes. Don't be a bitch was not it. It was, uh, throw some dirt on it, get up and go. That was, that was the philosophy. If you're bleeding, you know how to stop it. Shit, I, I had a backpack in my truck that had literally super glue in it. Those were my band-aids. If I rolled my ankle or I, or I needed a splint, I had a pair of one by sixes that I cut down to size to make my own boot. Not because I couldn't afford to go to the hospital, because I knew how to fix it. Why pay thousands of dollars for a doctor to give me this fucking plastic boot when I can make the same fucking thing? I've always been independent. I've always valued the fact that I know how to fix stuff. I know how to live. I know how to survive. If, say, somebody attacked America tomorrow, I know I could survive. Most of these dumb teenagers couldn't. They'd lose their shit if their phones were dead. Or their air conditioner was off. Or their car didn't work. Or all their money they saved up on their on their little fucking cards that didn't work. I think the reason why I'm so cynical. The reason why... I am so blunt is because I value knowledge and I want people to be better. I want my people that I hang out with, that I work with to be better people. I don't want them to be stupid. I don't want them to think that, uh, the world revolves around them. Like what teenagers believe. Because these idiot teenagers have no idea what the hell you've been through. Everybody has a story. There's no such thing as their truth. There's no such thing as the truth. Truth is, the world does not care about one single person. We care about the society in a large, not the individual. It's always been like that may be covered up by some dumb activist group but none of those guys actually give a fuck and if you believe they do you're just as dumb as they want you to be I question everything I'm told and I question everything I learn to make sure it's correct and if I'm wrong I'll admit I'm wrong I wish people would do that. I wish more people would do that. Instead of blindly following stupidity, 
or the norm questioning. Because you never know. You could die in a car accident. And you did nothing in your life. So that's be a cynical little twat. So that's being a stubborn ass who never got an ass whooping. So that's being a kid who just talks shit constantly. And they wonder where all these teenagers are getting their asses whipped by older people. It's because you're stupid. We weren't keyboard warriors. When we said it had something to say, we said it to your face. When we wanted to fuck you up, we told you we were going to fuck you up. We gave you a warning. These kids won't fight. They'd rather pull a gat or a knife and stab you. Or shoot you. And I'm sorry, but if you're holding the pistol to the side, you don't need to be holding a pistol. Anyway. Like I said, that's just one... One thing that happened to me. I probably won't go into detail about a lot of others. It was just the most personal one I could think of. I don't know, maybe it's because of Alex dying. Or because it seems like every year somebody else dies. Anyway, I'm going to get off here. I got shit to do. I'll talk to you guys later.